Okay, as Pastor told you, mine is first things first. That's what he's been talking about. And we're going to be talking about the priority of loving. Um, he said, starting January 1st, when he was talking about that verse we just practiced, Matthew six thirty-three, he said that the word seek is a concept of worship. We're to make Jesus Christ the object of worship. And he also said that first, obviously, is first. That first, we're talking about making him top priority. And then he said, and I know we've all heard this before, but if Jesus is not Lord in our life, I'm sorry, either Jesus is Lord or he's not Lord at all. And the thing is, I think you're going to see that message all the way through because Josh was talking about last week, the priority of lordship. He actually mentioned that same thing. And the thing that I loved about it is in his message, he was talking about how lordship depends on salvation. Your salvation depends on that. You have to have, I mean, he's the basis. And everything else, everybody else is going to talk about is going to start with what he talked about last week. So if you didn't, Hear it. If you weren't here last week, you need to get it. It was a good message. He also said it brings glory. And I think glory kind of opens up some of what I want to talk about because glory pleases God. So does love. Um, love is listed among three things. You'll see in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he says these three things last forever. Faith, hope, love. And the greatest of this, these is love. Faith is eternal. Hope is eternal. It says all three of them are, are eternal. What makes love a priority? Because obviously the Bible makes love a priority. It said it's the greatest. Now I know faith is kind of like a certain expectation. Hope is a joyful expectation. Usually it precedes that certain expectation. But love, what exactly is love? Now, I bet you guys think I'm going to go into the four Greek words, right? Anybody know about that? Well, I can't pass that up. Okay, there, the Greek, there are four Greek words that are used for what we just translate as love. There's eros, that's like a romantic love. I'm giving you the brief version. And then there is filio, which is kind of like a brotherly love. It's friendly. Uh, it, it's a relationship where there's fondness or it's enjoyment. And then you've got this word called storge, which definitely is not spelled anything like the way I just said it. And that is like your family love. It's love for community. It's It's loyalty. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that, those type of love. It's what we're more familiar with. They tend to be more based on what we feel. But the kind of love that we're going to be talking about actually is better described rather than what is love, but who is love. Um, and God is love. Love is a who. God, that, that last word is agape. And agape is, it's unconditional, sacrificial, and eternal. In 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John 4, 16, you're going to see that those verses actually say that God is love. You know, it's his very being. It's his nature. I mean, it's its very 
essence. He can't help but be who he is. And his very nature is to be like that, which means that as it relates to us, God's nature is to take pleasure in us. God wants to prize us above all things. Um, God never gives up. Never gives up. In fact, not only does he not give up, he was not willing to allow us to be separated from him. So he sacrificed his son to make a way to bring us to Jesus, to reconcile us. And the, the final, well, maybe not final, but the final point that I've got about God's nature towards us is he never fails. Whatever he sets to do with us, he never fails. Um, if you consider that God is love, we also have to understand that means that there's no such thing as love without God. And we need, we need love. The other thing that I wanted to tell you is that because we do need love, that agape love, when God talks to us about love, he always talks about every verse you're going to see that has the word love that I put up here, and it might be a little scripture heavy, but you're going to, I want you to understand that when it says love, it's talking agape, whether it's talking about his love towards us or our love towards him. Um, you know, love needs connection, which means that love is a relationship connection, or has a relationship connection. Love is so intertwined in relationship. It needs people. God is about us and him, and him and us, and us and others. And you can't really separate it, because it says in 1 John four sixteen. This is living in love, in case you can't tell. There it is. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Think about the, that for just a second. If you're living in love, you're living in God. And God is living in you. There's no separating that. If you're living in God, you can't help but live in love. And God requires love. Because he is love. And the interesting thing about relationship is that you have to know God. In fact, Josh kind of talked about it last time. He had a, a scripture, I think it was in First John 1, 23, last week. And he, his scripture said that we know him when we keep, if we know him, we keep his commandments. We have got to Get in relationship with God. We need to draw close. There's, there's a verse in James, I think it's James 4, 8, that says, if we will just start, if we'll just draw near to God, he draw nears to us. The thing that I love about our God is he never, ever makes us do it on our own. If we'll take the first step, he meets us, and then he takes us further. Um, under knowing God, there's a scripture that says in First Job 4, 7, Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. You cannot know God and love. 
not agape love. Agape love only happens in him. And the interesting thing is it's like anything. A relationship, even a relationship with God, time spent with him, love grows. There's a scripture in uh, 1 John 4, 17 that says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Think about this. Um, I deal with a lot of older people that are whole in my family. And what I've noticed is when, a, when let's say, they have a 60th wedding anniversary, they've got all these memories. Now, when you start out and you're brand newly married, there's a transition period. You're getting to know one another. You get to know each other's lives. But as time progresses, you start encountering things that cause you to pull together. Um, maybe, maybe it's a child problem. Maybe your, your child gets sick. Maybe your, um, Children are having trouble in school, and you pull together and you work on that. Maybe as you get older, there's problems in, in your husband's job, and, and he's struggling. Maybe his health starts faltering. Maybe you have an operation, and you pull together, and you start doing for each other. And you get to really know more than just what you like and don't like. You get to know what the other needs. And pretty soon, you're fulfilling each other's needs in that little relationship, so that when you're celebrating that 60th anniversary, or when the Lord takes one of them home, there's a hole that cannot be replaced. You see, that's what God is desiring of us. He created us wonderfully. But that means that each person that's sitting in here in this sanctuary was in Psalm 139, fearfully made. He knit you in your mother's womb, and you are unique. You can touch lives that nobody else in here can touch because he designed you with the specific divine appointments to fulfill a certain space of God's heart. And he wants that love relationship to grow and be made more perfect. Okay. I'm turning pages and catching my emotions there. Okay. We. Oh, and this is the other thing about love relationships with God. He always prepares us. You know how the shepherd is? He always went before his sheep and he prepared the way, took out all the dangers. And yeah, okay. God is a shepherd at heart and he prepares everything and he has prepared us to love him. He has prepared us for a relationship with him. You see, we are God's priority. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinner. He loved us so much that his priority was to leave heaven, come here in the midst of all our ugly thoughts, all our ugly ways, in the deepest, darkest sin that we had. And outside of time, he came into time. And lived a blameless life and let himself be killed so that we could be reconciled to God. That's a priority. And God desires our love priority. What he gives, he wants back. 
because we were created that way, and he's prepared us for it. He's prepared us to love him in his way. He's made a new creation. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That new creature is a spiritual thing. You may have your own memories or your old memories. You may not feel different at times. But he opened up a communication between you and him, and you are brand newly named. You've been redesigned. He poured his love in our hearts. Romans 5, 5 says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. And his Holy Spirit produces love. Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. He gives us joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you think about that, he redesigned us to be a new person, to receive his Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit that he gave to us, he poured agape, that unconditional, self-sacrificing love that is eternal because he's created us eternal. The body may be passing away, but we're not. And that Holy Spirit, as we're walking with him, produces love in our life. You need love? It's a faith thing. He gave it, you step out in it, and you'll receive his love. And the thing I love about the end of that 522 is he gives you all those wonderful things. He starts it with love, but at the end, did you notice he gives us self-control? You might have to step out just a little bit in your own, but bam, there's the love. And he gives you more. And then he gives you his spiritual self-control to keep you in it. Okay, now, the thing is, with what he's prepared us to do, He's wanting us to have a new priority, and that's just the priority of loving God. We kind of have been talking about it, but he gave us the first and greatest commandment. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. There's more to that, and we'll get to that in a moment. But what this is, God wants all of you. He wants an undivided heart. He wants a heart that trusts him. That is, you know, pastor was talking about, I think it was last, it may have been the first Sunday, one of these Sundays, where he was saying that we can't serve two masters. It, we're reading the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6, like somewhere around 624, I think. It says you can't, you can't serve two masters. You either love the one or you hate the other. That's what God is telling us, is you can't serve two masters. It's got to be undivided. Second, he wants all of our soul. He wants everything we are. He wants our personality. He wants our body. He wants our ways. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. soul. I'm saying Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Isn't that bad? try that again. <laughs> Let's see. All of a sudden, I just lost that. I know it's trust him. 
Somebody help me out. We know this, don't we? Trust God. It's, it's not on there, Ike, because I know this. It just went away. Um, and he will make straight your path. That's it. Yes. But if you take a look at that, trust God. <laughs> Mark, you can help me. What is that? that? And lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. That may not be the version you did, but we got it, right? Okay. The thing is, we're looking at our soul, that's your body, and in that, we acknowledge him in all our ways. And God wants us to give him our mind. The pastor had a message years ago that was talking about evaluating our thoughts. Because not all thoughts are our own. And what God is looking for is that we have our eyes fixed on him. Colossians 3.2 says, I'm almost afraid to quote this. <laughs> but he says, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Because, and Philippians 4.8 tells you what God suggests we think about. He wants our, our thoughts fixed on the things that are of him. But more than that, he wants us not to rely on our own understanding, which incidentally would not be having your mind fixed on the things of him. So when I think, when I look at the, this verse, I remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if I can't remember it, I get out my memory verse, which Josh said last time, I mean, I know I'm rabbit trailing it, but you know, when you do memorize like what he's saying, what he said last Wednesday, God speaks to you with scripture. If you've got it in there, even if you can't say it in front of a whole crowd, he'll speak to you in scripture. That was a good tip. Okay. Um, we need to talk about this. Did you notice that is a first and greatest commandment? Well, the Old Testament was filled with commandments, right? How well did we do following the commandments? Not so good, right? Okay. So we need a new way. And God gave us a new way. As a matter of fact, um, in Romans 7, 6, this is why I have this little thing so I can read the scripture. Ike. One more. There we go. Now, we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Catch that. God doesn't desire an act of our own will. How many times have we said, Lord, I've got this thing in my life. I am not doing that anymore. I repent. I need your grace, but I'm not doing it anymore. And little by little, we find ourselves right back at that place in God. I repent. I need this out of my life. I need your grace. I'm not going to do this anymore. Do you know why that happens? Because our motivation's wrong. God is not looking for an act of will. Matter of fact, he's looking for a motivation to be love. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Um, there's one more scripture I want to bring out, and it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose or share myself with him. You see, love's the true motivation. It's not our will. 
our will always failed. It failed in the Old Testament. That's why we have a New Testament. That's why we have a new covenant. Because what God is now looking for... Now, I will say, Jesus said not... Um, he said that the law has not passed away, not in Yoda or dot will pass from law until all has been accomplished. But the motivation of his people is to fulfill his love because we want to please him. It, it goes back to that love grows as we're in a relationship. Relationship and love cannot be separated. We cannot have love for God unless we're walking with him. And if we're walking with him, we cannot help but have love. And it's in that walk, as we draw near to him, as we seek him as an object of worship and make him top priority, what we're going to find is that our motivation is, yes, Lord, I don't want to talk about that person at work that everybody's talking about because it doesn't please you. I don't want to lie because it does not please you. I don't want to not be around your people because it doesn't please you. I don't want to make excuses for why I'm too tired to get up and go to church on Wednesday. No guilt here. Pastor's not saying that. That's me. Because it doesn't please God. God was, we were created to worship God and God was created to be worshiped. He deserves our worship. Meeting here as a group has power because we're his people and we're coming together to worship him. And it pleases God. That's our love relationship. It's what God's been looking for all along. Are you struggling in your walk? Just take that step. One little step and he will meet you where you are and the Holy Spirit will open up that love that he's poured into your heart. And that fruit of the Spirit, the joy, that kindness, the patience that you need with that worker that is the sandpaper of your life will flood your heart. And that self-control that he gives you will keep you in it. But you know what? The biggest thing that's going to keep you in it is because you don't want to not please God. And that comes from time spent with him. And there's a reward. Did you notice in both of those verses... The first one says, if you love me and you keep my word, the Father's going to love you. And not only that, he's going to come to you and he's going to make your home, make a home with you. He's coming into you. You get all three of them. That's a capital W in we. Capital O and R. Yeah. Okay. And then the second one is, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the reward is... And he who loves me, again, will be loved by my Father because it's a relationship. We love him. He loves us. And I will love him and I will disclose, which means he's going to share his secrets with you. He's going to share who he is with you. And frankly, he kind of shares who you are too. Sometimes it's more fun to share when he shares what he is than when he shares what you are. And so God desires... Since we're talking about relationships, one more priority, which is equally important, and it's called the priority of loving one another. Jesus said that this is equally important commandment, that you love your neighbor as yourself. 
Let's see how I'm doing really fast. Okay, people are our Father's priority. Always have been. Always will be. The love that he poured into our hearts, they're supposed to flow to others. See, he, what he wants to do is he wants to pour that love into us. And then as we walk out there, he wants to use us as vessels to direct us. Because the world is filled with people who think they know him, some who don't know him, some who are angry with him, some are hurt and don't know how to get to him. And do you know who the only ones in this entire world can reach out and touch them? Us. But only if we have a relationship with the Lord. Only if we make loving God our priority and on a daily basis we move in to meet with him. See, the thing about the Lord is that in Second Peter 3, 9, he, he says this, the Lord is not slow about his promise. You know, his promise about coming. He says that he's just not willing that anybody should perish. He wants unity in the bottom body. Well, maybe bottom too, but mostly body. And in Colossians 3.14, he says that love is the perfect bond of unity. So whether it is people who don't know him or whether we're in the body, God wants love to flow. And the interesting thing about love flowing is this. The Father has... He wants us to love others just as our Father loves us. He wants, he wants us to love his way. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So should you love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. John 13, 34 through 35. You know, we love God because he first loved us. He made a way. But isn't it true that in our natural lives we have a tendency to love people because they love us? We like people because they like us. Because God loved us and he made a way for us and we see his love and he's poured his love in our heart, we love him. And we love him with agape. Which, again, means that we want, if you remember earlier on, I said when God loves us, he loves us like where he wants to please us. He wants to make us special. He loves us because we, we are a prized possession. This is what God wants us to do with him, to love him like he's a prized possession. Now, it's not just that he wants us to love him like a prized possession but he also wants us not to give up he wants us not to fail and he gives us the agape love to love him that way but here's the interesting thing he's given us agape love to love each other now this subject is a little difficult because you know you can hear it on sunday or wednesday night and then you walk out the church doors and all of a sudden there are all these people that are not practicing agape. And they can be rather annoying. But you know, it's like everything else. Love 
is not based on what we feel. Faith is not based on what we feel. That love that's with agape, this is how God wants us to work with people. Accept one another. Um, in Romans 15:7, we're told that we need to accept each other. And I just noticed I didn't have my scriptures for that. I'm a bad girl. But you got the scripture reference, Romans 15:7. You can just check me out and see if I'm lying. And he wants us to bear each other's burdens. Now, let me just, since I don't have that scripture, let me just talk about accepting one another. You know, I was at a funeral last night. No, it was a visitation. It was the night before last. Time passes. And I was sitting in the pew, and um, the lady who passed away was in her late 80s. And I happened to hear overhear a conversation where they were talking about how there was a lady at church, and she just got really angry when people sat in her pew seat. Now, I'd heard of that years ago. I've never experienced this. But they were actually justifying that. Now, let me ask you something. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Would that be accepting? But he's not just talking about that kind of acceptance. The world is filled with people that aren't like you. The world is filled with people who have different ways. The people, the world is filled with people who have different belief styles. The world's filled with people who vote differently than you. And God says he wants you to accept them. Not because they're right or wrong. That has nothing to do with it. You accept him with a goppy love that's unconditional. Because it's not about what they believe. It's what God wants them to believe. Because he sacrificed. Thank you, Ike. He's good. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. Again, there's that glory. God wants us to begin to relate to each other with his love. Not our conditional love, but his unconditional love. He wants us to bear burdens for one another. We did that tonight. Sydney and Jim, and I snuck in my dad. They need us to talk to God. Sometimes they just need us to listen. Sometimes they need us to point them to God's truth. Sometimes people just need somebody to know that they care. Sometimes we have to sacrifice her time because agape is not just about dying for somebody. Sometimes it's about spending just a little bit of time that you probably think you need to spend someplace else with people because God is about people. We're the ones that want to isolate, which incidentally, isolating, not with people. If you find yourself watching television all by yourself, not a good thing. Um, bearing with one another, Colossians 3.13. <laughs> okay. Sometimes when we're in ministry, bearing with one another is not all it's cracked up to be, is it? 
I'd noticed in the church, one of the things that I would be tempted to do is to say things like, well, they say they're a Christian, they should know better. Okay, that's not very accepting. What's worse is it doesn't please God. And I don't know, I'm thinking that I'm not really bearing with that person. And it gets down to some people just have different ways than me. And what is motivating me when I say that? I'm looking at the condition and I'm feeling a certain way and I'm responding to the way I feel. I can't say enough that our relationship with God is separate from our feelings. It's wonderful when our feelings line up. But can I just say something? The very next one is forgiving one another. Forgiveness. Ooh, your feelings can get all messed up with that. If somebody betrays you and you know that you've been betrayed and you're right, what do we want to do? Don't we want to just say, well, God, but I'm right. They're wrong. They hurt me. And yet, if we hold on to that unforgiveness, God knows that a root of bitterness starts forming. And it hurts us, and it hurts our relationship with him. And if we can't walk with him, we can't walk in love. And bitterness is described like gangrene. It's poison. It will kill things. It doesn't just kill you. It can kill other people. God is looking for us to choose with the power and the love, because we love him to choose, despite how we feel, to forgive and trust him to let our feelings line up. And I will tell you, I have done that, and they do line up. I have. I don't think I'm the only one. Anybody in here not ever been betrayed? Just checking. Okay, so I'm just telling you, it is possible. You may be sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't know what he said. You don't know what she said. You don't know what they did. It doesn't matter because Christ died for them. Just like you and me, God created them for a purpose, and he's not willing that any should perish. It's a love relationship, even with those people who betray you. I'm not talking about getting mushy and go wrapping your arms around them and just, I forget. I'm not talking about that. This is, this is a work that God does in you. He wants to set you free. And then love, what's difficult? We, which we kind of have talked about that. Again, it's not feelings. But, you know, God wants us to let God, you know, it's his kindness that brings people to repentance, yes? We sing that song. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, listen to what it says. It says that we bear all things, we believe all things, love hopes all things, and it endures all things. Now, I have this boss who can be the sandpaper of my life. And every time I choose to please God in this area, she tests me. Or I assume the spirit behind her does. And so I'm walking in this right now. There may be 
days of victory like today, and there have been days of not victory. And I have help, or she has help in the testing because apparently she's the sandpaper in a lot of people's life. And so then they all want to talk about her, which does not please God when I participate. So God says that I need to endure. I need to bear all things, even if I don't think it's fair. And let me just tell you, as I've been walking in this stuff, guess what happened today? You guys want to hear a praise report? My, my husband was praising. I got a raise. And about a month or, or, no, when I got back from Denver, I found out that they had demoted me because they kind of threw me under the bus. And then God arranged circumstances so things could change. And not only did I get promoted, but I got promoted past where I was. And it was because God told me, keep your mouth shut, Michelle. This is, if you trust me, you trust me. You talk about it, you don't. Where's your faith? And in this lesson, I've learned I've been doing this all wrong. Because it's not just where my faith is, it's where's my love. Love's my new motivation. Now, we have about maybe 10 minutes left, and I promise not to take all that up with this, but I have to throw in a kitty story. All my ladies in jail know me for my kitty stories, but do you remember how it was almost freezing here about two weeks ago, or the week before last, wasn't it, Mark? Anyway, to set this up, you have to know that Mark and I, though we don't have kids, we do have kitty kids. I am allowed two. Somehow God created me to be that person you picture that has all those kitties around, and it's just like, well, okay, this, this is how he created me. Mark, on the other hand, was not created that way. And he does allow me to have these two little kitties, which, by the way, they, now that he's home, seem to, <laughs> I mean, I'm just chopped liver to them. But anyway, that beside the point. What I know about my husband is that I want to take home every little kitty I see that needs help. And my husband so does not. So I go into work. I think this is Tuesday of last week. This is before it got cold. And there is a, a woman there. She's cute as a button, but she doesn't know Jesus. She was raised Catholic. Her parents died young. And she's kind of raised her sisters and now her nieces. And I have been sharing Jesus with her. And incidentally, trying to get her here, but so far... I tried to get her here tonight. God's doing the work. But, okay, this is what happened. God's been telling me, you know, you need to make a priority. You either love me or you don't. You either do things to please me or you don't. How much do you love me, Michelle? And so I'm coming into work, and I'm meditating on this and meditating on loving the people at work, and I'm just feeling really good. And I walked into her office, and she's just beside herself because there's a little cat who's got Siamese in it, about the size of my hand, just crying, and this cat was determined somebody was going to help it. Well, we're real regimented. I couldn't really go out there, but she was just, I can't take it home. Everybody got involved trying to place this kitty, but nobody would go out and see this little kitty. So I called Mark, and I says, Mark, I'm trusting God with this. I know I prayed. And when I start, by the way, scripture, 
um, I was praying and then feeling kind of guilty that I was praying about a kitty. And God reminded me that in Matthew 6, he talks about the bird of the air that he feeds, even though they're not really doing anything to be fed. And he says, if he loves those birds that much, how much more does he love us? I said, okay, God, then I'm keeping praying. And so I went to D and I said, I, I know we're upset. I know we can't find anybody, but I just called my husband and he's going to check with his aunt and see if we can place him. Then I sent a text message to Carmen who did not recognize me and didn't look at it the next day, but that's okay. No guilt. And because God did work, otherwise it might have been guilt. What I loved about this story is I said, D, you have to understand we're trusting God with it. I know that it doesn't look good. Well, by the time we were done, we had all the ladies in the office trying to help this little cat, trying to get a plate. So at lunch, I go out to get kitty food. I come in, and what do I find? The kitty's sick. Probably bad case of worms, legs all wet because there's drainage. And Okay, if they don't want a healthy cat, this is where my mind went. And the Lord said, I thought you said you are trusting me and trusting in my love. Okay, I don't care how it looks. So I went to D and I says, okay, the kitty's sick. I think he needs a vet. The other thing I know about my husband, he doesn't like me to pay for sick kitties. So, I mean, if we had the money, maybe. So I said, okay, Lord, if you, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to come up with the money because you can't do this. Like, it's going to be over $100. <laughs> well, I went back to D and while I was having this conversation, telling her that we are trusting God and he's going to work this out. And I made an appointment by faith after I talked to him. And, and incidentally, I explained this to him and my husband, who really doesn't want a kitty, had agreed, because God loves him too, and me, that we could, I could bring him home and put him in the garage because I didn't want him to freeze. Now, I'm telling you this long story because it really does have a really cool effect. I got $100. I got a promise of half payment on that vet bill. And... Three ladies were going to help me pay for it, in addition, on whatever was left. God loves me. So, and this is really, this is what, this is because I stepped out just one little step in faith. You take one little step and he does the rest. You just have to trust him. So, okay, I go out at work. And now this cat, it, when I fed it, it just ran after me trying to, catch up with me and didn't want to let me go and my heart was broken so I get off of work thinking I'm going to find the cat no cat looked all over couldn't find the cat so I called and canceled the vet office and I said Lord I'm trusting you that even though I can't see what happened to this cat that you took care of the cat just before I pulled into the driveway I get a text message and one of the ladies that I work with her mother lives off the street where my office is, and happened to see an elderly couple stop their SUV and pick up a little gray kitten. Now, that's not the end of the story, but I text D back again. I said, God answered our prayer. Because you know what? When we pray and you're telling people God's going to do it, you have to tell them what he did. Because did God really have to tell me or make arrangements that I knew the kitty was picked up. No, because I was trusting in faith, but he loved me and did. So the next day, the little girl 
Dee that I've been kind of talking to, she comes in and she says, you know, I just realized something. Read the back of my shirt. And the shirt said, let, let, let go and let God. Okay. It wasn't a big thing, but it's a seed. All because God's teaching me how to walk in love, to draw close to him, to quit trying to do it on my own, out of my own will, but to be motivated in his love. And so I saw a seed was placed. And that's my kitty story. I would not want to deprive you of that because my ladies at jail love them. Next week, Michael, he's a pastor. You stole my thunder. But he is going to be teaching the priority of learning. The priority of lordship was awesome. And because God did this tonight, I know this was awesome. And I can promise you, that what Michael God has prepared in his heart to teach, you don't want to miss. And Salome, she's got a heart of evangelism anyway, so you want to see the priority of leaning. So before we go, and it's just 10 after, this is a personal thing. I know God's doing a work in my heart. And I don't know, maybe you already know this, but I think it would be a good idea. I'm just going to pray but I'm going to give us just a little bit of time to consider. So everybody close your eyes. And while your eyes bow your head, close your eyes, be still and know that God, that he is God. And I'll be still in a moment. And this is what I want you to ask yourself. Is loving God a priority? Is loving one another a priority? You can't have love without loving God. It's, it's a must. It's got to be a priority. God commands it. He desires it. It doesn't work any other way. Now, let me just pray. Father God, I lift up this church. And Lord, this is what I ask. I ask that you begin with these people here, with me, with pastor, with everybody sitting in the sanctuary. Lord God, let us take that first step. Let us draw close to you and know that you're going to draw close to us. Seek you first. Seek your righteousness, seek your love, and make you top priority. And then, Lord God, that love that you poured into our heart, Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you begin to help us surrender so that it flows to others here in this church, to others that are in the workplace, to wherever we go, whether it's the drugstore, it's the grocery store, wherever we go, Lord God, May we be the light that shines before men. May we be the salt that hasn't lost its flavor, Lord. And Father, use us as your vessels because it pleases you. Lord, this is a time. Lord, you said that as lawlessness increases, man's heart grows cold. Love grows cold. Father God, you have the answer. Lord, let us 
be warm with your love and draw man to you. I pray that in your name. And Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for these priorities that we're talking about. I thank you for the faithful that are here. And I thank you for the fruit you're going to produce in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.